of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. We do better unto the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of us believe God is about to impact our lives once again through His Word? Bible said He sent forth His Word and He healed all their diseases. Hallelujah. I believe there's a word that is in season for you today. Amen. And this morning, you want to just position your spirit. Hallelujah. If you brought three vessels, God is going to fill three vessels. If you got five vessels, God is filling all five. If you brought seven, so if you brought one, it's your fourth. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, how many vessels did you bring this, this morning? Hallelujah. You want to close your eyes and just speak in the language of the spirit. Ask the Lord to prepare your heart for the word that it, as it comes. Rabahadaba. Just two minutes. Rabahadaba. Rabba, tell the Lord, Father, I'm not living the same. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David understood the value of coming into his house. The house is where burdens are lifted. The house is where impartations are given. The house is where giftings and anointings are said. The house is where things that are impossible become possible. In the house of the Lord, where the children and sons of God are gathered, Bible said, there it is in their midst. And when God shows up, his footprints are surely going to be left behind. You want to ask that God, as I have come into your house, touch me once again. Touch me once again. I don't want to go the same. I don't want to live the same. Touch me once again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So check if you are ready, like I am. You want to stand with a clapping and a standing ovation as you welcome to the pulpit our very own father, Dr. Leslie Kwakupong. Hallelujah. Heaven and on earth, there is none like unto him. Come on, let me hear you bless the name of the Lord. Just lift up your voice. Give it glory to the Lord this
place, oh God. Jesus, take your place, oh God. Reign in our lives, oh God. Jesus, take your place, oh God. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. Lord Jesus, we ask that you shall take your place in our midst this morning. We declare the heavens open for the entrance of your word. Let there be transformation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? So we take our seats. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited to be in church this morning? Hallelujah. Alright. How many of you are ready for the word of God? Now, this one um, is the beginning of the year. Hallelujah. It's the beginning of the year. Those who are in the spirit know where I'm going. They know where the whole thing is heading towards now. Hallelujah. It's, it's the beginning. How many of you know it's the beginning of the year? It's the beginning of the year. Hallelujah. And when you are beginning the year, you can't be beginning just like that. Hallelujah. Yeah, there, there are some things you need to do at the beginning of the year. And so we are going to do those things. Amen. And so our beginning of year fasting and prayer. Yeah, have a very spiritual church. We are very happy about fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. Our fasting and prayer, beginning of year fasting and prayer will start next week Monday. Alright, what date will that be? What date will that be? What date will that be? 21st of January. Alright, 21st of January. We are starting our, our fasting and prayer. And it's going to be a... <laughs> for now. Say for now. Uh, because... The instructions can change at a point in time. Amen. For now, it's a 14-day fast. Hallelujah. I know you are used to 21. This year, for now, it's what? If God says, Charlie, go the extra mile, we shall add some seven days, maybe 10. Eh, yeah, we'll go to it. So we are starting on the 21st of January. 14 days continues. And as our tradition is in the church, yeah, I know that one too. You like it. We start our fastings on Monday, but the Sunday before is a day of feasting. Hallelujah. We feast, and then we remove the E, and then the feast becomes a fast by Monday. Hallelujah. So on Sunday, next week, Sunday, today's week, when you are coming, come with empty stomachs because we must finish everything that <laughs> will be provided here. Hallelujah. Yeah, so we'll have our feast. And then when we finish the fast two, we'll finish it with another feast. Hallelujah. That is our, our, our tradition in this church. We start with the feast and we end with the feast. Alright? So take note. We'll be, if you are not on the church page, make sure you are put on the church page because very important information will be put on the church page regarding the fasting and prayer. The daily foci will be placed on the church page. And all. If you are not on the church page, you, you miss out on a lot. Even the venue will be communicated on the church page. We are trying to work out something. 
you know now we have some complications with using this place in the evening so we want to see we are trying to work something out so the venue is going to be communicated to you via the church page all right okay so how many of you are ready for the word how many of you are ready for the word time is fast spent so be quick with this one this morning i want to preach to you a brief sermon of entitled the power of preparation the power of preparation everybody say the power of preparation say it again the power of preparation hallelujah preparation is a very very important thing results are usually a function of how much preparation went into whatever it is that you did sometimes the results in exams can be a function of your preparation sometimes too it is not you see somebody who has failed an exam it doesn't necessarily mean the person didn't prepare well it doesn't necessarily mean the person didn't know there are a lot of things me i i, I lecture and i mark exam exam papers so i know that a lot of things can actually go wrong during marking of papers sometimes even in the calculation of the marks you are calculating you've written the marks on each page and you are calculating like if this page you got four this page you got a total of six they are calculating like that sometimes in calculating and flipping the pages you can just pick two two leaves like that so that means you only see the what is in front what is behind you will not see what is here you will not see you only see you miss two complete pages and those marks can be the difference between passing and failing hallelujah uh-huh. i'm clarifying these things for you to know that yes most of the time results are a function of preparation but it's not always especially when things like examination are concerned hallelujah how many of you have watched olympic games before you've seen athletes running when you see an athlete running at the olympic games the olympic games are so emotional when people win they are so emotional when people lose they are so emotional and the reason is that it comes every four years and so whatever you are seeing the person doing the person has been preparing for four good years i remember this 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 picture this this video of a gentleman who was running i think 400 meters or so this man had prepared over four years and he had managed to get into the final of the olympic games he started running and by the time he was halfway over or a quarter way through his hamstring pulled he had a muscle pull and of course if your hamstring snaps like that in a short distance race you know it's over i mean nobody is going to stand and wait for you oh charlie you are charlie let's all let's all wait for him to recover so that we all go no they all finish the race and you'll be last and this gentleman pulled up and was limping 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 i'm sure some of you have seen the video i'm talking about he was limping and limping and he was crying crying like a baby and the touching thing is that his father was his coach so his father came from the touch line came and held him he put his head on his father's shoulder he was crying because four years we have prepared for this thing and look at what has happened and the gentleman said whatever it is i'm going to finish this race even if it means hopping on one leg for the preparation that has gone into it i can't stop halfway through i can't stop a quarter way through so his father helped him and he limped and he limped and the whole stadium was on their feet cheering him and clapping for him until he crossed the finish line in last position and he broke down finally and cried well well 
It's not because a lot of preparation has gone into it. You see Usain Bolt and final of the Olympic Games. On your mind, get set, go, pam, in 9.59 seconds. He's finished the 100 meter race. It didn't just happen. Hallelujah. If he tells you, I watched a documentary on his life and the routines he goes through. Yes, he was naturally talented, but he didn't start the way he is now. In fact, when he wanted to run 100 meters, his first coach laughed at him. He was like, tall people don't run the 100 meter race. Because by the time they say, on your march, you are down. By the time you have lifted your tall frame, your colleagues are like 20 meters ahead of you. And 100 meters is so short that when it's, it's, it's almost impossible to catch up. They're like, no, no, go and look for something, a, a longer distance to run. Because by the time he's six foot five, I am six feet. So add five inches to my height. And that is the frame of Usain Bolt. They thought, no, 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 no. But he had to prepare himself, work on his starting. And he did a lot before. I watched one race of this when he was raw. I was like, if I had seen this guy at that time, I never would have predicted that he would be the fastest man in history. But he worked on himself. He prepared himself. Hallelujah. You look at somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, those of you who follow football. He is a man machine. They did some physics experiments on his physical abilities. The man can actually jump and his leg is at the level of somebody's head. His foot is at the level of somebody's head. And it didn't come like that. He wasn't that naturally endowed with athletic abilities. Every time they go to the training field, he's the last to leave. Those of you remember David Beckham? What was he known for? Free kicks. It didn't just come like that. Anytime they finish training, David Beckham will gather about 100 balls. And shoot free kicks, shoot free kicks. They say, well, bend it like Beckham. Keep bending it over obstacles like that. Somebody say preparation. So the, the results of your life, the results of, 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 of your, your destiny, what your life becomes eventually, is a function of preparation. It's the same with ministry. And when I say ministry, anytime I say ministry in this house, I'm talking about service. Hallelujah. I'm not necessarily talking about a microphone. I'm not necessarily talking about a pulpit. I'm talking about service. To minister means to serve. How well you minister is a function of preparation. I've said it over and over again on this pulpit that when you prepare for administration and you do not prepare, there is a difference. Hallelujah. Even if you don't prepare and it was good, you must know that on that same day, if you had prepared a little more, it would have been better. Hallelujah. It would have been better. Oh, you think, oh, that day I didn't prepare, but Charlie, the anointing flowed. If you had prepared for that same day, same open heaven, same atmosphere, same everything, it would have been better. Hallelujah. So preparation is very, very, very important. I want us to look at Second Corinthians chapter 27, verse 6. Give me the King James version of that. King James. Version Second Chronicles chapter twenty-seven verses. Greatness is always a function of preparation. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-seven verse six. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-seven verse six. Second Chronicles twenty-seven six.
It says, So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Hallelujah. His being mighty, his being great was a function of preparation. And when you look at some of the great people in the Bible, some of the people God used, you realize that God took them through preparation. They, they had time to prepare themselves. Those who didn't have any preparation, we saw the result. A good example is to compare and contrast David and Saul. Saul was just handpicked. The Israelites were putting pressure on God. We also want a king. Like all the other countries that are around us, we want a king. That wasn't God's original plan for them, but he said they wanted a king. So God had to quickly bow to what they wanted, and he picked somebody. Saul hadn't gone through anything. He hadn't been prepared. He was on his way going to look for his father's lost donkeys. And God instructed Samuel, pick this one, anoint him to be the king of Israel. No preparation. A few years into his reign, he had already gone out of favor with God because there was no preparation. Hallelujah. Now God decided that I'm not going to make the same mistake again. So his successor, who was David, was anointed at a very young age. But he never sat on the throne while he was a small boy. David was actually anointed three different times before he reigned over the entire nation of Israel. When he was anointed the first time, it was supposed to be for him to be the king of Israel. But the first time he was anointed, he didn't sit on the throne of Israel. He went back into the pastures to go and lead sheep. To go and lead sheep. So it was preparation. Learning how to defend the sheep. He said, a lion came. I defended it. A bear came. I defended the sheep. Sent him. No crown, no robe, no scepter, nothing. But he had the anointing upon his head to be the king of Israel. Go and learn how to defend. Go and learn how to guide. So he was she. The second time he was anointed, he was still not the king of Israel. It just make, made him the, 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 the leader of the people of Judah. A few men gathered and just anointed him and said, Be our leader, Judah. It was after the third anointing that David finally became the king over the entire nation. And by that time, decades had passed. God needed to take him through that preparation so that he would not repeat the mistakes that Saul made. Hallelujah. If you take somebody like Joshua, Joshua was going to succeed Moses. And God had to find a way of preparing him for that position by making sure that when they were asking for the 12 spies from the different tribes of Israel to go into the land and to spy aid, Joshua was one of them. He needed to, to know the route to the promised land. He needed to know how the promised land looked like. He needed to know the strengths and the weaknesses of the promised land. Because God had destined that he was the one going to lead them to break into the promised land. Hallelujah. Somebody say preparation. Even Jesus Christ, he did not circumvent the process of preparation. God didn't just decide that, okay, mankind has fallen. I need to save mankind souls are perishing. So Jesus will just appear from the sky as an adult man. And immediately he will start preaching, healing the sick. They say, I mean, it sounds like that would have made his work very easy. He just appear in the sky one day, from the sky one day. 
comes, walks around healing the sick, raising the dead, saying, I'm the son of God. No Pharisee would have dared come to stand in front of him and, 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 and doubt what he was saying. It would have been so easy. But even Jesus had to go through the process. He had to bundle himself into the womb of a woman. I told you during my Christmas message that even Mary needed to accept the word that God gave to her through the angel before she got pregnant. God doesn't force anything on anybody. So he sent an angel to come and speak to Mary that this and this and this is what is going to happen to you. You are going to be pregnant, blah, blah, blah. If Mary had said, no, I don't want it, Jesus would never have been born. Or probably God would have chosen somebody else. But the Bible said, Mary said what? Be it unto me according to your word. She had to accept the word. It was a process that had to be to, 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 that had to go through. Jesus was in the womb of Mary nine months. He didn't say, oh, souls are perishing. People must be saved. There are sick people to be healed. There are dead people to raise. There's a kingdom of God to preach about. So you, yours, will make it a super preterm delivery. So after three months, it's a fully developed fetus. And Mary goes and pushes and Jesus comes out. And when he was born to, he went through the process. Normal process like you and I. It's not like he was one year, one day. They woke up the next day and he's five years. They woke up the next day, he's twelve years. Because Charlie, there are things to be done. Souls are perishing. The world must be saved. And the time they realized, oh, Mary went to sleep. And the son was a teenage boy. By the time they woke up the next morning, he had a nice beard. Ready for the world. Ready to go and heal, to deliver, to save. It wasn't like that. Hallelujah. Even Jesus Christ had to go through preparation. And he started preparing himself. Jesus could have said, I am the word. Me, myself, I am the word. But he studied the word and went to test his abilities by going to sit in the temple with the, the lawyers, the, the scribes, the people who thought they knew. And he dumbfounded them and showed them that, Charlie, the word here is me. It's me. I, I am the one that you are reading. Hallelujah. He prepared himself. A ministry of three and a half years took 30 years to prepare. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, don't be in a hurry. Tell somebody else, don't be in a hurry. Sometimes we are in a hurry because the Bible says, for the endless expectation of the creature awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. If you manifest at the wrong time, it is worse than not manifesting at all. Manifesting at the wrong time. And that is what happens to a lot of people when it comes to ministry. Nowadays, ministry has become attractive. It's like, Charlie, people will hold your Bible for you. When you talk to young people, it's like, you know, those are the things that really move them to want to do the work of God. Oh, they call you Papa. They call you Daddy. The Daddy, do you know the responsibilities it comes with? When people call you at 2 a.m., they say, I've had a dream, and cows are chasing me. Show your daddyship and show your papaship. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to take our time for God to prepare us. Hallelujah. We want to jump the queue. We want to do everything quickly. One of my favorite portions of scripture, and I've preached a lot from that, that portion of scripture, Isaiah 49, 1. Isaiah 49, 1. Let's look at it. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. God believes in preparation. He said, listen, O house unto me, and hacking ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. 
that means from the from the from the womb he had a calling all right from the bowels of my mother had he made mention of my name next next and he had made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand had he hid me and made me a polished shaft a polished shaft is like an arrow all right anybody who is called anybody who has an assignment is like an arrow in the hands of god god is the archer and made me a polished shaft in his quiver had he hid me next and said unto me thou art my servant o israel in whom i will be glorified let's go back to the verse 2 now this is an imagery portraying somebody that god is going to use or god is going to send all right and he said god has made him into a polished shaft or a polished arrow now it's important for you to note that an arrow doesn't start off as an arrow an arrow will start off as maybe a piece of metal or a piece of wood rough not polished you won't get an arrow and it's an arrow it's just an arrow like you have to make it into an arrow hallelujah and what is the essence of the polishing you cut it to fit the shape you want it to have because of the purpose for which it's going to be used and sometimes the process of cutting can be painful and that is what a lot of people don't want to go through hallelujah if you've done a bit of physics you will know that an arrow is shaped the way it's shaped because it has to be able to cut through the air and generate certain aerodynamic forces and overcome others in order for it to be able to get to its target hallelujah if the arrow is not shaped like that the likelihood of it hitting its target is very low because there are forces like drag there are forces like lift there are forces like gravity that are acting on it so it needs to be aerodynamically shaped so that it will overcome the friction and overcome the drag and those things so that it can hit the target exactly that it was intended to hit and that is why it has to be to be polished if it's not polished it will have rough edges and it will react with the, the wind and cause the shaft or the arrow to deviate. Hallelujah. So sometimes God has to take us to the process of cutting. Sometimes because of where God is going to take you, He needs to prepare you by cutting certain behaviors, certain actions, certain weaknesses in your life before He takes you to a certain height or before He sends you to certain places. Sometimes just because you've been told that, oh, this and this and this is how God is going to use you, you think it's immediate. God takes you through the process of cutting first. Because He knows if He doesn't cut those rough edges and He shoots you, the aerodynamic forces are going to make sure you don't hit your target. You fall down before your time. As I said, there is drag. There is lift. Something like pride can, can, can be a, a lifter. It can lift you above your target. Hallelujah. When you are proud. In ministry and in any assignment God will give you. As for pride, you have, to, you have to get rid of it. One way or the other. I keep telling people that if you are not prepared to humble yourself, you must be prepared for God to take you through his school of humility. 
will drag you through that school of humility. And I don't think you want God to teach you humility. Hallelujah. If God decides to teach you humility, go and ask Joseph. I'll come to Joseph very soon. A lot of the things he was going through, God wanted to deal with a certain haughtiness in his heart because of the height God wanted to take him. Somebody say preparation. So he cuts you into the shape he wants you to be and he polishes you so that the opposition will not overcome you. Gravity, pull him down. Maybe God wants you to hit a certain level in business so that you sponsor the kingdom. But he needs to clear some of the shadiness in you. Some people, they are Christians that are never straightforward. You never ask them a question and they'll give you a straight answer. Every time, the answer is in the form of a riddle. You have to discern the answer. They are never straightforward. Always leaving room for changing what they have said. So because of the height God wants to take you, He knows that if He doesn't deal with that thing, when millions of cities and millions of dollars start running your way, you will start deceiving people and CID will issue an arrest warrant. Maybe you'll be numb too. So God wants to take you to that height, but He needs to polish you and take some of these things out of you. And it's all part of the preparation. And may you have the patience for God to take you through the preparation. And you realize from the verse 2, He had made me a polish shaft, and in His quiver had He hid me. What is the quiver? The quiver is that cylindrical thing behind the archer. Where He keeps the arrows, before He takes the arrow to shoot. You would think that, ah, now that he has cut me and he has polished me, I'm ready to be shot. But he doesn't shoot immediately, but keeps it in the quiver. Hallelujah. So even after he has finished dealing with you, you have to wait for your turn and you have to, you have to wait for your time and your turn. Sometimes it may be your time, but it's not yet your turn. There are two different things. While you are in the quiver, you are there with others. You can see the potential. You know that, Charlie, I can go far. But then you'll be in the quiver. And God will be sending some people far. And you have to be humble enough to stay there and watch them go. Because it's not your time. And it's not your turn. So in the quiver, you learn patience. You learn humility. You know you can sing. But you are not being made to lead yet. Others are leading who probably may have an inferior voice to yours. But it's a quiver period for you. Hallelujah. If you are patient enough to stay in the quiver, when the master decides that now you are ready and he reaches out to grab you and to send you and to shoot you, the likelihood of you hitting your target and doing exactly what he wants you to do is very high. A lot of people are impatient and they jump out of the quiver. But can you imagine an arrow jumping out of the quiver? You think it will reach its target. It will go up and seem to be doing well and then suddenly gravity will hit it and bam, it goes down. And that is what happens to a lot of people. When you send yourself when God hasn't sent you, when you jump ahead of God, there are a lot of ministries like that. They start and it's like they are blowing. Hey, suddenly, they blow hot and then suddenly cold, bam. One attack from the enemy. And they can't survive. 
But may you submit yourself to the preparation of God such that when the enemy comes, you'll be able to stand. Hallelujah. So preparation is absolutely necessary. Look at Joseph. The dizzying heights that God wanted to take him, God had to prepare him. Because part that you are literally the second most powerful person in the world. Egypt was like how the United States of America is now. They were the economic power in those days. The, 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 the hub of civilization. It's like they were miles ahead of the rest of the world. The Egyptians used to say that when it comes to the knowledge in the world, God gave the Egyptians 90 out of the 100 and gave 10 to the rest of the world to share. That's how confident they were. There are a lot of things we use now that were invented in Egypt. Paper. When you see paper, paper was first used in Egypt. There are a lot of things. It's like they were driving the global economy. They were leading in a lot of things. And for you, a Jewish boy, to be raised to become the second most powerful person in the world, he needed some preparation. And right from the beginning, there were some traits of a bit of haughtiness in him. How do I know? It's not for nothing that the brothers didn't like him. You know that favorite son kind of thing? When the brothers are planning to do some fast food, then you go and report them. You go and juke. Daddy, Reuben and Simon said so, so, and so. They, they were actually trying to let us roast one of their sheep in the wilderness to chop. The one that is missing, that they said a, a wolf came for, is in their stomachs. They've eaten it. Go and chook. And Jacob too will come and blast them. Irresponsible boys. You see, even the younger one knows the difference between right and wrong. And look at how you are, you are behaving. And you embarrass them in front of them. This one is not in the Bible. It's me myself that I'm saying my things. Don't go and look for it in Genesis. It's not there. I'm, I'm doing it's called extrapolation. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm going to stand somewhere and then the Bible says that they went to roast the sheep in the hey, which church are you from? Who is your pastor? Anytime you are misbehaving, they ask you who is your father. And then you go and choke them. And on top of it, the father came and gave him a coat of many colors. The thing went to another level, crack. Walking around, shoulders high. And then he had a dream. He dreamt that these boys who don't like him, including the father himself, were all bowing down in front of him. If you had a bit of humility, you would keep this dream to yourself. But he called the meeting. Everybody come, come, come. I have an announcement to make. I have something to tell you. Father, are you coming? sure the others were standing there if not for the fact that they would have stoned him there how dare you you last but one born how can you call us for a meeting and in the meeting too all you came to do was to tell us that you had a dream and you 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 including you father you were all bowing down in front of i can imagine the anger in their hearts they determined that this boy you will not live to see that dream We'll finish it before then. So Joseph had a bit of pride. You know that kind of too known little boy kind of thing in him. And where God was taking him, you know, 
God had to deal with some of these things. Hallelujah. So the brothers became tools to help him prepare for where he was going. See, there are some people who you think they hate you now. In fact, in their hearts, they hate you. But they are just tools God is using to prepare you for where he's taking you. That annoying friend of yours, God is using that person to teach you patience. Your roommate who leaves his socks on your bed and comes to eat palm oil and, and, and smears it on your bed sheets. He's a tool in the hands of God to work patience in you for where he's taking you. Hallelujah. Don't get too angry. Somebody say preparation. Yeah. Preparation. God said, I'll use these same brothers to prepare you for where I'm taking you. So they went somewhere. They were deciding somewhere. Like, Let's kill him. Mom says, no, 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 please. We don't want his blood on our hands. We'd rather have the blood of a sheep on our hands than our own brother. So let me give you another hand. Let's just sell him. First of all, he was in a pit. They said, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites came. They got some money. I'm sure even they fought over how to share the money in the first place. They took him back to Egypt. And he went to live in the house of the general of the Egyptian army. The chief security officer. General officer commanding the Egyptian armed forces. Big man. Influential man. But you see, when you are called and the favor of God is upon you, they can put you in a pit. They can put you wherever. The favor will still blow you out. I believe there were servants in the house of Potiphar before Joseph got there. But a man realized that there was something special about this guy. There, there was something resting upon his life. There was something resting upon his head. You realize that no, anything this boy did was a success. And being a shrewd man, he decided, look, I'm going to put you above all of these people. Direct their affairs. Little did he know that one day he'll be directing affairs of the entire nation. In fact, the entire world. It was part of the preparation. And you see, when favor is upon you, it can attract the eyes of wrong people. Sometimes when you are praying for favor, pray holistically. Because favor can attract attention from the wrong people. Hallelujah. Anointing. When you are praying for anointing, anointing can attract attention from the wrong people. It can attract the attention of occultists, witches, wizards, Jezebels, Delilahs. There's a scripture that says, Women love him because of the ointment that is upon him. So when you are praying for the next time you are praying for favor, pray for a holistic, pray a holistic prayer. Hallelujah. So this same favor of God that was upon his life. I'm sure Potiphar's wife was sitting looking at him. Hey, any assignment this guy is giving, he just excels. Things are just working. When he came, like our businesses are working and, and the servants are working well. Charlie, this guy, there's something about him. She started fantasizing about him. Suddenly became infatuation. And she decided that no, that's what this boy have to sleep with him. So one day, as we all know, she attempted. But thank God Joseph knew where he was coming from. Hallelujah. When the favor of God is upon your life, you'll be, you'll be tested with so many things. You'll be tested with so many things. But may you succeed in defeating those temptations when they come your way. Yeah. And he refused and fled. And the woman's ego was hurt. Hey, me, Mrs. Potiphar, look at me. Look at me. 
Look at me from head to toe. You say you don't like me. I will show you where power lies. She managed to grab his overall. That was evidence. Husband came. Darling, darling. You can't imagine what this boy attempted to do. What did he try to do? You know, he has to look like a man who is defending his wife. Even though deep inside him, he knew that Joseph couldn't do that. Brought out the evidence. He came to this room and tried to forcibly sleep with me. Hey! This man. Even if he didn't believe it, you, if you're in Potiphar, would you let Joseph go free? Your wife will bring you divorce papers. You know, fast, 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 fast. They threw him into prison. But even in the prison, their favor was still speaking. They just realized, no, there is something special. There's something different about this gentleman. So the Bible said they made him the head of all the prisons. It's like wherever you go, you are prefect. Wherever you go, you are head. Wherever you go, you are the one who writes names of talkatives. <laughs> people, hey, names of that, they will write your name and add DP. Double punishment. Some of you, the way you are laughing, you have done it, huh? DP. Double punishment. Everywhere he went, the favor was speaking, and it was all part of the preparation of God for his life. And you see, two of the people in the prison had dreams. Somebody would have said that it was a dream that got me here. I went and dreamt. And it was a dream that got me into the pit. A dream that brought me into this house. And now I'm in prison. All started from a dream that I had. I beg me and dreams we are finished. I don't want to have anything to do with any dream. I don't want to dream. I don't even want to interpret any dream. But you see, when God is preparing us, we will face challenges. But it doesn't mean you should neglect the vision of God for your life. It doesn't mean you should neglect the gift of God. That thing that God has placed upon you. The fact that you went to prophesy one bit and the thing far home. You said the person is called Akosia, but you said I'm called Adelaide. And there is no connection between Akosia and Adelaide. He says, Adelaide said, which day were you born? He said, I was born on Wednesday. Wednesday is the fourth day of the week. Add three. <laughs> you are trying to let the thing work. It's not working. You went and attempted to prophesy. The thing didn't work. Somebody will go back and say, Charlie, this thing, I'm not going to do it again. Hallelujah. Even if you do it and it doesn't work, do it again. When you are given the chance to lead the song and you turn it into a thank offering unto God, when you are given the chance, do it again. Given the chance to give an exhortation, you go and stand there, and all your scriptures are finished. John 3 16, I don't remember. You want to speak, please. You want to speak, it's like the thing is not coming. I have to say, Matthew has or Judas in Zemboni. You, you don't even know what to say. Nothing is coming. When you are given the chance, do it again. Do it again again you know you, you, are, you, are, you are destined to be a great businessman you started poetry and some virus infected and one day you came it was a mass funeral a funeral <laughs> do it again next time go for good maybe they can withstand the virus hallelujah do it again 
He didn't say, because my dream got me into trouble, I'm not going to dream again. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. When they said, we dreamt, so so I said, come, come and sit down. Me, I'm the chief interpreter of this. Sit down, tell me your own. Pa, 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 pa. Oh, this is what it means. Pa, 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 pa. This is what it means. When the thing came to me, one was killed. The other was released. He gave him a message. He said, Charlie, you see the way I help you, you know. You see, when you go, eh, go and talk. You have access to Pharaoh. You understand? I, I can just imagine he just called him to the side. Like, right now, he had the upper hand because he prophesied a good thing into his life and it came to pass. That he'll be released. He had been released. So, Charlie, when you go, go and tell Pharaoh that Charlie's on guy be there here. He's innocent too. Just release him. And a guy went and it seemed as if he had forgotten. But the other day I was telling you in church that there was no way that guy could have convinced Pharaoh to release Joseph. Really, what was he going to say? Ordinary servant. And the offense of Joseph was that he had attempted to violate the wife of the chief of the army. Look at chief of army and you servant in the house of Pharaoh. What will make him please you ahead of his army general? And just release the gentleman like that. There was no way. So when it seemed like he had been forgotten, there was no point for Joseph to get angry and to get bitter. Hallelujah. There was a preparation he needed to go to that he hadn't finished. What was he going to say? But in God's own time, somebody said in God's own time, in God's own time, God had to create a situation. I see God creating a situation for you. That will bring about your release from obscurity into the limelight. For your gift to be made obvious for people to see. He created a situation. What was the situation? He caused Pharaoh to have a word, a dream. That was the only way Joseph could enter the palace. Assuming Joseph, the guy has succeeded in convincing Pharaoh. And Joseph was released. One, Potiphar would never take him back into his house. So Joseph would have been roaming in the streets of Egypt and probably looking for a way back into his father's house. How was he going to become the second most powerful man in the whole world after being released into the streets like that? Unless God uses some other serendipitous means to bring him into his purpose. But that would have been far away from what God had in store for him. So that delay had to come on. Hallelujah. Sometimes the delays we are binding are actually preparations in our lives. We are binding the delays. We, we assume that they are demons that are causing it. And we are angry. Binding and losing. 2019, may God give you discernment for you to know what to bind and lose and, and, and for you to know which ones are preparation and process. Hallelujah. There's not every delay that is from the devil. He had to learn something. I read something that made me realize the reason why he had to spend some more time in prison. Apparently, that prison was a political prison. So they had opposition people there. Anybody who had done something politically related, he had opposition people there. They had the incumbent people too there. And he was their head. And so it's like a good place to listen to how the opposition people think. Because what he was going to do, he was going to manage the economy. He needed to know how to deal with the opposing people and to deal with the people who are for, for the thing to work. Hallelujah. So he needed to be that small. 
A political prisoner will be brought. This is uh, you. So you, this is your case. Eh? You see, uh, okay. So this is how the NDC people think. This is how the PPP people think. This is how the social and so think. Because it was a crisis situation, and they needed a unified voice to be able to deal with it. So he had to be there until God created the situation. Hallelujah! Somebody say preparation. And when Pharaoh dreamt, and the magicians and all of those who had tried to interpret it, they couldn't. That was when the man remembered, Ah, there is this guy in the prison. He's sharp at these things. Let me go and bring him. But by that time, the preparation and the process had come full circle. Hallelujah. And he sent for Joseph. And look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 41 verse 14. Genesis 41 14. At this point, Joseph could sense that he was in a Kairos moment. There was something significant about to happen in his life. Look at what he said. He said, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. Because as for whether or not, he didn't know the dream. But he knew the gift in him. He knew, as for the dream, whatever it is, if you bring it out, I shall interpret for you. He sent for Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He was in some low ground somewhere, no light. I don't know where you are right now. Your potential seems to be hidden. But very soon you are going to break out. And he shaved himself. Somebody say he shaved himself. Why is this shaving of himself important and significant? Jews like a lot of hair. When you see pictures of Jews, they like hair. They keep their hair. Even the picture of Jesus, there's a lot of hair. All those prophets, when we want to represent Elijah, you can't represent a prophet pictorially with a, with a clean shape. You can, it's not a prophet. One day I was watching, <laughs> I was watching some program. They, they call it a, a charade or whatever. They'll show you a word and you act it out for somebody to say the word. So let's say if uh, a car, then you do this, and the person say car, and then they give you marks. This is it. They brought prophet. All the person did was stood there and did this. And the other person got it. I was like, Why? This is serious discernment. Because Jewish prophets, they, they have beard. They love hair. Jews traditionally love hair. On the other hand, Egyptians, they like sakor. They don't love hair. When you look at Egyptian pictures of old, most of the time their kings were clean shaven and then they would use some wig on the head somewhere or some fake beard but they were clean shaven all the time joseph was in a situation where he could sense that something was about to change he was in a kairos moment and he needed to prepare himself for where he was going he was going to be a leader not a jewish leader but an egyptian leader so he had to shed his comfort zone which is having a lot of beard and having a lot of hair and he had to shave himself somebody say preparation you have to prepare for where God is taking you. There are some things you have to start learning now. There are some people this year you have to learn French. Because you go to Paris and come back like that. Right, you don't go there and go and speak Ghan. And the train will take you to some place you are not supposed to go. Hallelujah. Some of you have to learn Chinese. Ching kong, ching kong, chin. You have to learn it. Because there are some businesses waiting for you in China. Huge businesses that will make millions. Me, this is how I prophesy. I don't always close my eyes and say, Thus saith the Lord. I prophesy a multi-million dollar business deal for somebody in China. 
wigs, wigs. I hear wigs, wigs, wig, wig business. I hear diaper business. I hear textiles, textiles, and and electrical equipment. Yeah. You have to learn some Chinese. At least the little ones that you can use to buy and sell there. You have to learn. He shaved himself, prepared himself for where God was taking him. Imagine if he had gone with his beard and his hair and everything like that. Yes, he would have interpreted the dream. Pharaoh would have been happy with him. But he wouldn't be looking like an Egyptian leader. He wouldn't be looking like an Egyptian He would have just rewarded him. Oh, collect some two cows and go. But when he appeared, he looked like one of them. He looked like he could fit into that position. So he decided, yeah. You have interpreted this thing. Now, one. You look like you can marry my daughter. So let me give you my daughter to marry. Secondly, I am going to place you over the entire economy of Egypt. You are whether it's vice president or prime minister or whatever. Because the man who was standing in front of him looked like he fit that position. They call you for an interview and you decide to go and wear Batakari. Bank interview. Because you believe in Africa. You can be pan-Africanist at heart. Believe in the motherland. Then sit there with Batakari Fugu. The interview will be short. You don't look like us. There's nothing wrong with Fugu, but for bank, it doesn't work. Hallelujah. If you are going for an interview to be a radio presenter in a st- English speaking station, you better ask some slanging and slurring. When they are interviewed, because all the people who speak there, whether it's locally acquired or foreign acquired, their thing is there. You understand? You have to look the part. Some of you say you want to be bank manager, but yeah, I don't like wearing tie. Have you seen bank manager where you know they wear tie before? Start learning how to knot the tie. Hallelujah. You have to prepare yourself for where you are going. You can't be a good wife in Ghana and you can't cook a meal. Everything is a burnt offering unto God. You just burn it like that. Sweet smelling savor. Every time you come to us, like, something is burning, something is burning, something is burning. Your room always has smoke. Filled with the glory. Shekinah smoke. <laughs> and you want to marry. Want to marry. You better save the burnt offering from yourself. Somebody say preparation. You need to prepare. You want to get married? You are just going to walk into it. That is why the Orthodox people in their marriage they said marriage is not an institution to be entered into unadvisedly. How many of you have heard that word before? Unadvisedly. Because it's a full-time job. Your full-time job as a doctor, it took you six years of study. This marriage will even go beyond when you retire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the time to start preparing for it is now. The time to start praying about your marriage is when you have not even met somebody and your heart is beginning to flatter. 
When you've seen the person and you like the person already, when you pray, you will hear what you want to hear. Trust me. Even if God says no, you, you will hear yes in your spirit. I, I, I feel the peace. The peace of God. It's not peace though. It is the smile of the person and the looks of the person that is making you excited. And you're interpreting it to be and yet peace. You start praying when there is nobody. Hallelujah. So that God will order your steps. God will order your steps. Ask mommy fire. There are a lot of people who came before me. Some of her mates. Some of them have been chasing her three years, four years. So, hey, so these people, they, they are very, probably they are Liverpool supporters. I say, if you want a very persistent man, look for a Liverpool supporter. We haven't won the league since 1990, but we still say you will never walk alone. Chase, chase, chase. And when you come, she won't do, I'm going to pray about it. Then, then, uh, it's a simple no. Simple no. And some of them were persistent. But they didn't know some of us. We had overtaking anointing. We, we were working with a Holy Ghost charged double turbo engine. Even though they were ahead, we came and right past them like that. Yeah, mates. Yeah, I was just senior. Small, small boy. You want to go where me? I want to go. <laughs> when they see me, they say, "Oh, boss." I say, oh, "Yeah, I'm the boss." Some of them they are still working around. I am the boss. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. When I came, because she had been praying, she just knew it. That this is it. She said, the first time I walked past her, God told her, that is your husband. That time we are not even friends. May you have such an experience where God will speak to you clearly. Hallelujah. Somebody say preparation. And to end, we have 365 days ahead of us. Maybe less because we've done some number of days. And it's important for you to prepare for this year. If this year is going to go the way you want it to go. Hallelujah. And for us Christians, aside the planning, aside drawing the new year resolutions, and the plans and the purposes and the whatever that you want to achieve, we also need to prepare ourselves spiritually. Hallelujah. Because for us, we cannot divorce the spiritual aspect of things from anything we do. Whether it's career, whether it is education, whether it's marriage, whatever, we cannot divorce the spiritual aspect from it. That is why the beginning of the year is a good time to fast and pray. And prepare yourself for the journey that is ahead. The same way that you have plans for the year, trust me, Satan also has plans for you for the year. He has a whole dossier on you. On the things that he wants to happen in your life. The things that he wants to happen in your family. The misfortunes. He can never have good plans for you. Because the Bible says he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hallelujah. Even Jesus, Satan had plans for him. A whole Jesus. So don't think you are too anointed for Satan to have plans for you. He had plans for him. He even planned to kill him before his ministry started. As a child. Entered into Herod. Decided I'm going to kill all the children. When he was born, he grew. He went into the wilderness. Satan went there again. To go and present him. He said what? All these things, the whole world, it is mine. 
I can give it to whoever I want to give it to. Just bow down your knees and worship me. That was a shortcut to Jesus' purpose that Satan was presenting to him. Jesus came to redeem the world. And the one he was come to redeem the world from said, this thing that you came here, now you are come to do three years. Three years old. Three and a half years. You are going to walk around. People are going to say all sorts of things about you. There's going to be slander. I know you are human. You feel it. Eventually you'll be caught. You'll be beaten. You'll be nailed to the cross. I am offering you an alternative with a caveat. I'm going to give this world to you. Do whatever you want to do with it. Save whoever you want to save. Fill all of them with the Holy Ghost. But just let your knee touch the ground small two seconds back in front of me and that is a shortcut easy way out no suffering no beating no cross carefully calculated plan of the enemy but thank God Jesus Christ had the presence of mind because he had been fasting he, he had fortified himself spiritually I pray that as you fast and as you pray, when the devil presents you a shortcut that will lead to your destruction and the truncation of your destiny, you'll be sharp in your spirit enough to recognize it. He said, bow down your knees. I'll give it to you. Do whatever you want to do with it. Satan has manzo. Peter, Jesus told Peter, Satan is seeking to sift you as wheat. Satan, he wants to sift you. When you are sifting which you put it on a sieve and you shake it. That means Peter's life was too, too peaceful. Things were, were happening too nicely in Peter's life. So Satan was seeking to bring a shaking. But what did Jesus say? He said, but I have prayed for you. The solution to the siftings of Satan, the solution to the shakings of Satan, the solution to the turbulence that the enemy wants to bring in our lives is for us to agonize in the place of prayer. agonize in the place of prayer. And when you fast and pray at the beginning of the year, it's like you are laying a strategic ambush. When you say an ambush, you are talking about a surprise attack. There was a time the Moabites were about to attack Jehoshaphat and his people. And the Bible said when they zoomed into praise, when they zoomed into worship, the Lord laid an ambush. And that day the Moabites were destroyed. So God laid an ambush said that before they could come and destroy the Israelites, God himself dealt with them. And that is what fasting and praying at the beginning of the year does. Whatever the plans of the enemy, whatever the machinations of the enemy, whatever the agenda of the enemy, you lay an ambush and you destroy them and you kill them even before they see the light of day. There's somebody, something somebody said in the Bible. He said, give their, their daughters miscarrying wounds and dry breasts carrying wounds. There are things the enemy is incubating and we are going to abort them and cause them to miscarry. And even the ones that would escape the miscarriage and get born because they are, we are going to give, the Bible says and give them dry breasts. We will, we will starve them of nutrition and those agendas are going to die. That is what fasting and praying at the beginning of the year does for you. It shapes you to place yourself within the context of the vision of God for your life. Look, 
if you are here and something monumental is going to happen in your life this year, take this fasting and prayer serious. If you are going to finish school this year, it's a monumental thing. If you are going to marry this year, it is a monumental thing. You have to take the fasting and prayer in this strategic year serious. If you plan to start a business, if you are going to go through a transition of a sort, you must take the fasting and prayer at the beginning of the year serious. Because even as you are preparing and planning your wedding and planning your finances, Satan also has a counter agenda for you. To bring confusion, to bring disgrace, to bring all sorts of things that you will not want to see in your life. But we thank God that we know the devices of the enemy. And we are going to prepare adequately. We are going to prepare in the spirit. We are going to agonize in the place of prayer. We are going to destroy the workings of the enemy. If during the fasting and prayer we are praying a lot of warfare prayers and destroying a lot of the works of the enemy, don't get offended. It is a tactical and a strategic ambushment that we are laying for the beginning of the year. I want you to stand to your feet this moment. You just want to pray a simple prayer. That Lord, prepare me for the events of the year. Prepare me for the unseen. Prepare me for the traps of the enemy. Prepare me for the possible misfortunes that the enemy will want to bring my way. Prepare me for the victories. Because you see, there are some victories that can destroy you. Because you were not prepared for them. There are some breakthroughs that can destroy you. You want to lift up your voice this morning. Simple prayer that Lord, prepare me for the year 2019. Prepare me for the traps of the enemy. Prepare me for the heights that you are going to take me. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Can I have some intercessors here? Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. It is a year of possibilities. All things are possible. All things are possible. Come on, lift up your voice. Let the traps of the enemy be destroyed. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The son of the living God. Let the traps of the enemy be destroyed. May the Lord lay an ambush against the plans of the enemy, against the purposes of the enemy, purposes of sickness, purposes of illness, purposes of confusion, purposes of distress. We declare that every other name shall fade away. This grace shall fade away. Sickness shall fade away. Embarrassment shall fade away. Until there is only the name of Jesus. Let every other name fade away.
on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024-873-7250. Stay blessed. Overflow.